Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. We are going to sing about freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So wherever you're at, if you're in your living room, in your bedroom, sing along with us. You can stand on your feet. Whatever you want to do, just worship with us.
Welcome to One Family Church. Our mission is to bring people and God together in love. We're so glad you're here. We all need community. We all need a group where we can connect, care, and grow. That's why One Family Church offers life groups. Life groups are a fun and encouraging way for you to grow in your faith while making friends and having a blast. To join, go to onefamilychurch.com slash lifegroups and click view directory. Find the group for you and click join. Enter your information and you're all set. The leader will reach out to you. We've got all kinds of life groups from deep dive Bible studies to prayer groups and fun activities. So find the one that's right for you and let's grow together. Thank you for celebrating who God is with us today. Now let's open our minds and prepare our hearts to receive His Word, laying aside distractions and focusing on this sermon. Hey everybody, welcome. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, from my house to your house for our Sunday morning weekly celebration today. Uh, I want to I welcome everybody, not only our One Family fam, I want to welcome all of you who are turning, tuning in, but all the rest of you too, all of our friends and people all around the world that we don't even know yet, haven't met you yet, so glad you are tuning in today. I've got something to share with you that I think is going to bring some, some hope and some courage and some peace and some strength into your heart today. And I want to start with a story. Uh, several years ago, my, my family and I went down to Nashville, Tennessee, and we decided to spend a night in a place called the Opryland Hotel. Now, if you have a picture in your mind of like hay bales and, and, and hay seeds and, and horseshoes, that's, that's not the right picture. This place is tricked out. It's like a city inside. There are there are bowling alleys, there are ice skating rinks, there are concert venues, restaurants, multiple floors. I mean, it's just like the place is amazing. Uh, and so my family and I, we went and we were going to go spend the night there. We're having a great time. We went out to dinner that night uh, and then we decided, all right, it's time to go up to the hotel. I think it was a Friday night and the, and the place was just packed, just lights and people everywhere. We get in the elevator and we're heading up to our room. There are six of us, uh, four kids and my wife and I. Uh, my son Augustine was about two years old at this point. So we're all on this elevator and it's jam-packed and we're stopping, uh, we're, we're, we're going up on the elevator and then we stopped at a floor. Well, my two-year-old son Augustine assumed that because we stopped and the doors opened, this must be our floor. So along with the shuffle of the crowd, my two-year-old Augustine wandered out of the elevator uh, without us knowing it. The doors closed and we were moving up to another floor when, for the very first time, I looked down and went, where's, where's my son? Uh, he was gone. You want to talk about a moment of panic? We didn't even know what floor he got off on. So uh, we, we start going up, and my heart is pounding because I don't know in this, this sea of people on this, in this massive place how I'm going to find my son. I know the feeling that I had. The feeling that I had was panic. Uh, and uh, uh, every part of my body wanted to go find that boy and grab him and scoop him up. I, I am not in his head, but I have a pretty good sense of what he was feeling. And I think he was feeling alone. I think he was feeling afraid. I think he was feeling abandoned. I think he was feeling forsaken. I think he was in a strange place, surrounded by strange people in a strange environment that he didn't know what to make of. Some of you today are in a strange place 
in a strange time, in a strange environment. You might not know what to make of it. And some of you may even have that feeling in the back of your mind, is God still with me in the midst of this? Have I been forsaken? Have I been abandoned? I know for a lot of you students that are out there, you know, both the high school and younger, uh, you junior high and elementary students, but also our college students, man, your world got flipped upside down. You were surrounded by your friends. You were surrounded by a community of people. There was a rhythm. There was a routine. And that's gone. You're in a strange place. You're on a floor that you don't recognize. And you're not quite sure how this is going to come back together. Some of you that are working and you're getting the notices now, the whispers around the office, and there are some layoffs, and there are things going on, and you're not sure if you've got a job. Some of you have already lost your jobs. And you're feeling like, I'm in a strange place. Have I been forsaken? Have I been abandoned? And, and what's going on now? Uh, some of you, just your, your relationships, man, being in this new world, in this new situation, in this lockdown situation, it's caused some upheaval and some disruption in your relationships, and it's disorienting. And you're wondering, have, have I been God forsaken? Have we been abandoned here? What, what is going on? Uh, I know a number of you, too, that are working in the, in the, uh, in the medical field, medical professionals. Man, some of you, I, I, we've been praying for you this week because you're out there on the front lines and everybody else may seem like sort of withdrawn and you're out there cranking on the front lines seeing the, the pain and the real agony and the real heartbreak of this situation. And I know that you must be at some part in your life going, hey, God, are you still with me? Feeling just a little bit abandoned. Today, we're in part two of a series that we're calling Failing Forward. And I want to spend a few moments reading a passage, uh, one of the most beautiful, poignant, powerful, dramatic passages in the entire Bible. And what I love about it is it's the moment when Jesus can relate most closely to your fear and your anxiety and your fear of being forsaken and your fear of being abandoned. It's the moment at the end of his life when he's hanging on the cross and he says something that I think is just so powerful. Uh, I preached a sermon on this same passage last year and as, I, as I'm studying and I looked back over that sermon, I thought, man, this, this text is more relevant today than, than it has ever been. Uh, so I'm gonna take a shot at, at preaching 2.0 of a sermon that I preached uh, last year. Uh, and I'm, gonna, uh, I'm giving you the upgraded version today, and it's from Matthew chapter 27. It says this. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. Jesus has been uh, arrested. He's been forsaken. He's been denied by Peter. He's been left and abandoned by his disciples. He has been stripped. He has been nailed to a cross. It's, uh, it's, a, it's noon until three in the afternoon, the scripture says, darkness comes over the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus, it says, cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's amazing to think of these words coming out of the mouth of Jesus. My God, why have you forsaken 
me. These aren't just words that he was saying spontaneously, although he felt them. He was also quoting uh, some lyrics from, uh, from, a pat, from a song that had been written years earlier by King David, uh, Psalm 22, which starts off, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is expressing this angst from the song that, that, that exemplifies the way he is feeling. And then it says, Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, and he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. When the centurion and those with him regarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Today I want to spend just a few moments on the subject feeling forsaken. Feeling forsaken. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, years, years ago, not that many years ago, a few years ago, when I was a kid, uh, there was this movement in music. It was the movement of bands that were uh, sounded like regular secular bands, but they had Christian lyrics. So some of you, if you grew up in church environments, you, you may have heard some of these. And of course, there are still bands like this today. But when I was a kid, and I might date myself a little bit, there was a band called Striper. Uh, they were like this heavy metal hair band, but they had Christian lyrics. Uh, there were some hip hop. There was Stephen Wiley, like he was a Christian, first Christian hip hop uh, a, a singer. It was just, he had all these cool beats and all this cool rhyme, but it all had this Christian feel. There was the Preachers in Disguise. Some of you old school cats might remember that. Uh, these guys, they were rappers, but they were preaching while they were rapping. Uh, but there was this one band that, that came to our town. I was living for a little while in a small glass manufacturing town in Ohio called Lancaster, Ohio. And there was a band that came to our, our town, and they were called David and the Giants. And man, these dudes were awesome. And they had long hair, and they played guitars with like with like distortion coming through. They, one of the guys had a thing that he would put in his mouth and it would wah, 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 and he had a wah, wah pedal. And it was just like this amazing, totally, you know, when you're 10, it's like, dude, these guys are, these guys are the Rolling Stones, but for Jesus. And uh, anyway, they had a concert in our town and I'll just never forget it because they ended the concert on this song called Noah. And the song Noah talked about like Noah and the ark and the flood and how Noah was, was saved and the rest of the people were not. And I remember walking away from that concert and that song, the lyrics of that song were chilling to me because I, I, I didn't really have an understanding of God's grace and I didn't really have an understanding of God's mercy and his love and how his love endures forever. I just didn't have a concept of that. And so somewhere in my mind, I translated this song into this idea that if, any, if I do anything wrong, at any point in my life, if I think something wrong, if I say something wrong, if I, if I do something wrong, Jesus will forsake me. Jesus will walk away. He will abandon me. I don't know why I had that thought in my mind, but, I, but the more I've lived, the more I've realized a lot of people feel that way. That they don't know. They don't understand that God is with them and never will leave them. God is with them and will never forsake them. They got the sense that like, man, if, if I do anything wrong, any little thing that goes wrong, God will forsake me. God will leave me. I had that in my heart. I had that in my mind. Some of you today may be feeling just a little bit like that. You're thinking, man, what did I do? Maybe I did something. 
Maybe God has just withdrawn his presence from me. Maybe God loved me, but maybe I've done something or said something or went down a wrong path, and now he is pulling away from me. You got this feeling, and it's the feeling is sort of, is sort of a, a bleeding into your faith life. I want to tell you something today. The feeling that you're feeling, Jesus can actually relate to. That's the beautiful and powerful thing about this moment of Jesus on the cross. He relates to the feeling of being forsaken. He relates to your feeling of of being isolated and alone. He calls out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a powerful demonstration of how human he was in that moment. It's a powerful demonstration of how much he can relate to even the darkest and and most terrifying feelings that you might have in your life. But there's something about the way he does it that I want us to get today. I want to get it in your heart. I want to get it in your soul. And that is through his act, he is saying to us, through his actions, he is saying, don't deny the feeling, all right? Don't deny that feeling, but don't forget your faith. Don't deny the feeling, but don't forget your faith. Because see, here's the thing. Jesus is holding on to both at the same time. He's expressing this feeling, and yet he is maintaining faith in God and in his mission and in his purpose. In fact, if you remember the night before Jesus was crucified, he was with Peter, and they were in the garden, and the the people were coming uh, to, to arrest Jesus. And if you remember the story from last week, Simon Peter, who I love, I get him, I love him, I relate to him, he, he like wants to stop it all. And if you remember, he pulls out a sword and he just starts swinging. I mean, he is slashing, he's trying to take, he's trying to stop this thing. In fact, uh, one of the gospels says that he, well, tells us whose ear he cut off. He cut off a guy's name, his name was Malchus. He cut off Malchus's ear, Malchus was the servant of the high priest, he's just swinging right? And, and he's just trying to stop it. And if you remember what, what Jesus says to Peter in that moment, he says, um, he says, Peter, I love this, Peter, put your sword back in its place. Do you think, Peter, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Do you think I can't call down le- thousands of angels from heaven and stop this right now? You, you think I can't do that? He says, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? What I love about this moment is right before Jesus tells this to Peter, you remember in the garden, he's saying, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, God. Father, let this cup pass. So he's feeling this, he's feeling it, and he's expressing his feelings, but he's not letting go of his faith. He's saying, yes, I feel this way, but my emotions are not going to derail my mission. My my feelings are not going to override my faith in this moment. And so I want to give you permission today. If you are feeling, you got, you're feeling some kind of way about this situation, it's okay to express that feeling. And let's, in, in fact, do express that feeling. Probably don't want to do it on social media too much because then, you know, it's permanent. So just in your own house, just let it out. Let God know that you're, how you are feeling, but don't let it undermine your faith. For some of you, it's, it's, it's more than feeling. For some of you, you're actually experiencing the real consequences of the crisis that we're in. 
you, you, you may have already lost a job. Uh, you, you've had loved ones that are sick or dying. Some of you are feeling the real pain of this. It's not just an uh, uncomfortable feeling. You're actually experiencing the pain. Jesus relates to that too, because after he's arrested, the scripture tells us the kind of agony that he went through. And I, I just want to read a few verses down in chapter 27. It says, they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. And then they knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. That detail uh, chills my bones when it says they took the staff. They didn't just strike him. They just kept again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and they put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. He's demonstrating something to us in this moment. He's demonstrating some powerful truth by being so human and so divine at the same time. And, and here's what he's telling you. He's saying, don't deny your pain, but don't forget your purpose. Don't deny the pain, but don't forget your purpose. My, my son Lincoln is a competitive guy. He's got an older brother, and he, and, he, and he loves to keep up with his older brother on whatever Jameson does, Lincoln wants to do. Uh, and a, a few months ago, we were out at Tower Grove Park. We were at Festival of Nations, which is a big, fun festival down there, and you eat all kinds of food, and we're all hanging out, having a good time. And we, we decided to eat our lunch under a tree at, at, the, at the Festival of Nations at, at Tower Grove Park. And after we eat, my son Jameson decides he was wanting to climb the tree. So he's, he's one of these guys who's he's just very, he can just climb anything. Like if you, if you ever met him, he just, he climbs walls, he, he, could, he sticks to ceilings, I mean, he's like a spider. The dude just climbs, just, so he decides to climb the tree and zip within three seconds, he's up at the tree. Well, then Lincoln, his younger brother says, I want to climb the tree too. So he decides to try to climb the tree and so he's jumping. He's trying to catch that branch that Jameson caught and, and he's trying to get up it, but he can't quite get the branch. So he's trying and he's trying and he can't get it. So then he tries a different technique. He starts hugging the tree, trying to you know shuffle his way up the tree. Can't get that, takes his shoes off. Maybe with his socks on he can do it. That doesn't help, takes his socks off. Now, this is going on for a while and by the time you know he's got the socks off, he's got the strawberries on his elbows, his hands are tore up, his, his knees are tore up, his emotions are tore up. He's actually getting you know physically wounded and emotionally breaking down. To the point where I said, hey man, like this isn't, this isn't your day for this, all right? We, 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 this, this, this isn't it. Like let's just pack up and let's just, let's just move on. It's not, I tried to help him, you know, like I'll help you up the tree, but he's like, no, that, that defeats the whole point, dad, you know? So he wanted to do it on his own. Anyway, we finally pack it up and we head home and, and that was the end of it. Well, a few weeks later, my son Lincoln and I are getting ready to go on a one-on-one -on -one time where we just go hang out. And I said, hey man, we can do whatever you want. We can go to Fitz's. Uh, get some milkshakes, we can go, you know, bowling, we can go, you know, get some ice cream. What do you want? He looks at me and he goes, Dad, I want to go back to the tree. And for a minute, I'm like, I didn't understand what he was talking about. And then it clicked. <laughs> I know what he wants to do. He wants to go back. Now, this is like 8 o'clock at night. We drive down to Tower Grove Park. I park my Jeep. It's got the, the lights pointing at the tree. We get out. And for 20 minutes, man, the guy is jumping and scraping and leaping and, and he still can't get it. About a month later, same thing. I want to go back to the tree. Again, it's at night. 
I'm kind of creeped out anyway, like at night, you know, it's like, are we even allowed to be in here? Anyway, we've got the lights shining on the tree. Finally, after a 20 to 30 minute period, you know, and he's sweating and he's scraped up. He finally gets his hand in like the crook of the tree and then he gets his elbow in and then finally gets a leg up there and pretty soon, finally he gets up the tree, he looks down at me, all, all, all tore up and says, all right, we're good now, dad. We can go on our one-on-one time. The thing is this, and I was so proud of him in that moment. The thing is this, the pain was real. He was experiencing the pain, but there was a single-minded focus. There was a purpose that he wanted to accomplish, and he was not going to let the pain derail him from the purpose. Some of you today are experiencing real pain. And, And let me just say this. It's important for those of us who are only uncomfortable to acknowledge those who are actually in pain, who are actually experiencing the real pain. The scripture says we grieve with those who grieve. We mourn with those who mourn. So, so it's not like we just come and say, oh man, it's going to be fine. You're going to be good. No, we, we feel it with you. We empathize with you. And that's what Jesus is demonstrating to us through this scripture. He's felt your pain. He has been there and yet he didn't let the pain derail him from his purpose. I want to read you a a passage uh, from Isaiah that just captures both the pain and the purpose better than anything I've ever seen in my life. It's Isaiah, um, it's Isaiah chapter, um, where is it? Isaiah chapter, oh, here we are. Isaiah chapter 53. It says this, but he was wounded, that's the pain, for our transgressions. Why was he wounded? Here's the purpose for our transgressions. There's the pain. There's the purpose. It says he was bruised. There's the pain. Why? Why were you bruised? For our iniquities. There's the purpose. It says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then I love this line. It says by his stripes, through his pain, we are healed. Here's the purpose. There's pain, but there's purpose. God is saying, look, I can use whatever pain you have experienced in your life. I can use whatever heartache. I can use whatever difficulty, whatever hardship. I can use it all for my glory and for your good. The scripture says that all things, not all things are good, but all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I know some of you today are experiencing that real pain. I want you to know God is with you in it. He's experienced it. He's been there. Do not let it derail you from your purpose. And I want to close today by by just pointing out the last point of this scripture, last last piece of this story, uh, two things that just really, I think, are amazing. Um, If you look at verse 50, it says, when Jesus cried out, when he cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So this is the moment where he just breathes his last. And then the scripture says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The the, the curtain of the temple, for those of you who are not familiar with that, was a thick, wide, maybe somewhere between three and six stories high and 30 feet wide, thick temple that, that blocked off the holiest of holies from the rest of the world. God's presence was, was in, in, in the very middle of this holiest of holies in the temple uh, in Jerusalem. And this, in the moment that Jesus died, the scripture says that temple was ripped in two, meaning 
that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit spread out, poured out from the holiest of holies and is available to you through the pain, through the death of Jesus. In fact, we learn in the same passage that Jesus' first uh, Gentile convert uh, found who he was, discovered who Jesus was in that moment. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Remember, this is the darkest hour. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. In the darkest hour, that is when Jesus' mission was made manifest in this centurion who wasn't even accustomed to him, wasn't even familiar, but he said, surely this is the Son of God. I want to just say this about your life and your situation and your circumstance, and that's what Jesus is demonstrating again, which is don't deny the darkness, but don't forget the light. Don't deny that things are not the way you want them to be. Don't deny them for yourself and don't deny it for other people. Don't deny the darkness, but don't forget the light. The, um, the elevator at the Opryland Hotel finally opened uh, as we were ascending up to our floor. And I bolted out of that elevator and started running down the stairwell. And I got one flight down, I threw open the door, looked around, he wasn't there. I ran down another floor, threw open the door, looked around, he wasn't there. Ran down another floor, threw open the door, and I saw my son Augustine, two years old, standing in the hallway of this hotel, completely alone. Tears streaming down his eyes, crying out, terrified, isolated, feeling alone feeling abandoned, feeling forsaken. And of course, I'm his dad. So I ran to that kid and I scooped him up and I pulled him into my arms and I held him just as tight as I could. I want to tell you this today, wherever you are at home uh, with your friends or with your family or your roommates, um, I just want to say this to you. Whatever you're experiencing, whatever feeling you're having right now, God has not forsaken you. God has not left you. God has not run from you. God is in pursuit of you. He wants you to experience his love. He wants you to experience his hope. He wants you to experience the, the experience of a loving father who's coming after you and bringing you in and holding you tight. Jesus has experienced your pain. He's experienced your fear. He's experienced your shame. He has experienced your loss. And he's taken it all to the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word even from my house uh, into the homes of those who are watching. I thank you, Lord, for never leaving us nor forsaking us, but being with us and, and, and holding us tight even when we don't feel like you're with us, you're with us. Even when we are afraid, you're with us. Even when we're in hard times, you're with us. Even when we're going through pain, 
you are with us. And I thank you, God, for each and every person who has been able to uh, tune in to this service today. I pray that you would give them strength and hope and peace and comfort. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, before you go, uh, there's going to be one more song from our amazing worship team. And while they're singing, I want to invite you to respond to this sermon today. Uh, one of the ways you can respond is if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. So there's a little prayer button, pray button, right below this screen. You click on that, uh, it'll take you right into uh, our website where you can let us know what you need pray for, prayer for. Our team is ready and standing by to pray for you. However, whatever you got going, you can do it anonymously or you can do put your name on it. We want to pray for you. Another way that we want you to connect is, is fill out our connection card. You can do that online. It's right below the screen right now. It's just scroll down a little bit and you'll see it. Just let us know if you've got what, whatever you want us to know about your situation. Uh, we are here for you. We want to get connected with you. Even though we have to do it from a distance, we want to be connected with you. Uh, the third way is if, if this is your church family and you want to support the work of this ministry, you can give online. You can uh, put in a recurring gift and just be a part of advancing God's mission and God's purpose. Uh, all, of the, all of the wonderful things that our church is getting uh, to do to serve other people and to serve other ministries uh, and to continue blessing the people that we serve uh, and advancing the mission and advancing the gospel. Uh, we invite you to participate in that as well. So we want you to know we love you and we want to stay connected with you. So reach out, stay connected with us uh, and enjoy this final worship song from our team. I felt no word. 
mountain you won't climb up coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you 